Good morning. Good to see all of you today. I'm glad that you're here. If any of you, I, I have not done this in a bit, but if you're interested in singing in the choir, um, all you got to do is walk up here. There's no audition, none of that kind of thing. If you'd like to sing, we would love to have you. Um, this is really just kind of um, getting people to, to help lead worship. And so it's all of us that's up here. I'm sitting down there. But it's all those that are up here that are leading worship. If you'd like to help, just please come up. We'd love to have you. Um, if you're visiting with us, you probably noticed that there's a QR code, that, that thing that's got a bunch of squiggly lines and three squares inside of a square. It's kind of funny looking. But if you scan that with your phone's camera, it actually brings up a web page. If you scroll down to the bottom of that web page, you'll find a place where you can let us know a little bit about yourself. And if you're visiting online, if you're visiting with us here in, in the sanctuary, we'd love to have you pull that QR code up and fill out. Uh, the information that you find at the bottom of that website. Um, also, a few more announcements to pass along. We are back on our normal Sunday night schedule with our side-by-side study. We'll be looking at chapters 10 and 11 tonight. Uh, there are some announcements in... Uh, oh, and we're also back to our normal Wednesday night schedule. So, meal in the fellowship hall, youth group, children's and ladies activities... All that kind of stuff will be back online this Wednesday. We were off last week for spring break, and we're glad to be back and up and running. There are a few mission trips that we have mentioned in previous weeks, so I won't go into great detail about it. Just to point out that if you're interested in the Arctic Barnabas Ministries trip, there's going to, have, uh, there's going to be a meeting. When is that meeting? When is that meeting, Brandon? Thought, I thought it was going to be in here, but I guess I didn't get it in here. I thought it was going to be in March, like maybe I think next next Saturday, next Sunday, I think is the meeting. So if you're interested, reach out to Colt Broyles, yeah. and he'll make sure and let you know. So the Wisconsin will meet right after church. Uh-huh. The Arctic Barnabas will meet before even the church starts. Okay. If you're interested in going on either trip, Brandon, you can connect with him on the, on the Wisconsin trip. If you're interested in the Alaska trip, connect with Colt Broyles. They're going to be meeting soon so that people can gather information and, and decide if the Lord might be leading them to participate. So just keep your ears out for that. Um, we're still, are we still looking for a few more volunteers, Carrie, for VBS, or we have a full slate? Um, I think we still need a few. Okay. Well, if you're interested, there are some sheets back there where you can sign up uh, and let us know what you're interested in doing. And also to let you know if you've already signed up, uh, there's going to be a meeting right after church on April 2nd for all volunteers. Whether you've signed up or not, we want you to be a part of, of that. It'll help get things off to a good start. So make sure you, you that's two weeks from today. Um, so put that on your calendar. Um, also, next Saturday, actually it's this coming Saturday, uh, March 25th at 6.30, there's going to be the Youth Spring Banquet. There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Uh, normally, they've done that around the time of Valentine's Day, uh, but um, there was still some um, discussion about how the money that was raised was going to be used. And if you notice in the bulletin, it says that the funds are going to be raised for student ministry outreach. So if you're interested in attending, you can sign up on the board uh, in the foyer or you can make sure and reach out to Jared Beck. Uh, but make sure you do that so they can plan accordingly. And also, there's some information there if you're interested in the women's Bible study that happens on Wednesday nights. There's a new one starting on the 22nd. If you have any questions about that, you can see Carrie Owen. Uh, did I miss any announcements or anything else we need to, need to announce? 
All right, one final thing before we have our call to worship. Um, I received a card in the mail, or the church did, I should say, this week from uh, Chuck Foreman and, and Nell Foreman's daughter, Deborah Scott. And so I'll read what's on the inside. It says, Your thoughtfulness is a gift I will always treasure. Cherokee Baptist Church, Nell's daughter and I both want to thank the many fine people for the sympathy cards, phone calls, and visits after the Lord took Nell home. It was so helpful in the grieving process. Nell was a fine Christian lady. I still miss her and love her so dearly. It has been so very hard, but so many people have lessened the hurt. With the love of the Lord, Chuck Foreman and Deborah Scott. I'll put this out on the on the bulletin board in the foyer in case any of you want to take a closer look at it. But I know that Chuck and Deb have been so incredibly thankful for our church. Anything else before we have our call to worship? All right, well then let's stand. Um, you know, David talks in, in the word uh, in Psalms. In Psalm 119, he says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so we are, as a church, and, and I hope that... that you may not be perfect. I'm not. I, I don't go over the verses every week, but, but I'm, I'm trying to. And so if that's any comfort to you, the pastor is struggling right along with you uh, to try to memorize these verses and to kind of commit them to our memory. So that this, for the next few weeks, we'll actually be in Psalm 96. So I encourage you uh, to, to read the whole of Psalm 96 and then also to begin to learn these memory verses. Uh, this morning's uh, comes from Psalm 96, which is a praise psalm, which is perfect for how we should always start a worship service with praise. So if you'll join with me in saying Psalm 96, verses 1 to 3. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations his marvelous work among the peoples. Let's worship together. No. Mm-hmm. 
Apostle John in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 7, wrote this. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Page uh, 135 in the hymnal, Nothing But the Blood. God is at work in all manner of places. Um, this time of the year, we're reminded of all the different places and all the different ways God is at work in North America. Uh, we've, we're in uh, the month where we focus on giving to the North American Mission effort, North American Mission Board, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, and our church goal is $6,000, and uh, we're, we haven't moved, moved the needle yet. We're going to get there. I, I mean... I realize it takes a while sometimes to get going, and when we do, we always finish well. But it's always good to be reminded about how God is at work around the world. Um, it's easy enough, don't you think, that we can be inside our own little bubble and not know really what's going on outside 
uh, of Cherokee, Texas. And we get outside and we find, man, there's lots of things going on here. You know, they got, they got cars and people drive. <laughs> now, Cherokee's a little different than most places. Uh, but God's at work here and he's at work all around the world in many, many different ways in many different places. We can't all go to those places. Perhaps we'd like to. Perhaps we think, Lord, I might fit there. It might be good for me to go there and minister in that way. But for whatever reason, we're not able to go. But we are able to pray. By the way, if you didn't get a prayer guide, there's still a stack on either end of the table back there uh, where you can grab a prayer guide and pray for one group of people a day that's in that prayer guide. I know that one of the things that missionaries ask for most is prayer. And so they, if they know they have your prayers, then they feel very rich. But we also know that it takes resources other than prayer uh, to make the mission effort go. And that's where we come in as Baptists. We give this time of year. Uh, if you haven't given yet, pray to the Lord about how he might want you to give sacrificially to this effort. There's also bulletin, not bulletins, um, envelopes on the back table there on either end. And if you want to take one of those home... And ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want me to give to this effort? Come back and put that envelope in an offering plate. And, uh, and I know that the Lord is going to use it well. Um, so we're going to take just a moment and watch a brief video about how God is working in North America. When people say keep Portland weird, you can think, oh, people there want nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the gospel. But there are so few evangelicals in the city that uh, that curiosity is like you're this exotic creature. Most people have never met a pastor before. And so you're definitely the minority if you are a Christian. Gresham Bible Church was the first church I planted. We developed lots of deep meaningful friendships with people in that community and our kids did as well but three years ago the lord made it clear to us that there were other communities in portland that needed a new healthy church this particular area of northeast portland is what you might call a church desert and we were excited to follow the, the call of god but worried about how our kids would take the news yeah i was not thrilled that we were moving like, one of the big things that we had been praying for when we moved here was that I could find some friends in this neighborhood, and I found a lot. So that's really nice. We put ourselves out there in all kinds of ways with neighbors and with people who heard about this new church getting started. And it is all hands on deck for the Brown family in this church plant. It's been a while since I went to church and just sat and listened instead of doing stuff during it. But it's nice to be able to help. We've got to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ grow. We've seen leaders raised up and missionaries sent out from our church because the need for gospel access in this city is really great. We started this church believing the Lord would provide and they've got to see, well, God gave us a building and God brought people and... Sorry, it's going to make me cry. They get a front row seat, you know, to see the Lord provide and it's been really awesome really awesome. 
Our scripture reading this morning is Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 25. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature and his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, with the passions and desires. I'm sorry. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in spirit with the Spirit. If you would, please stand. Page 182 in the hymnal. seated if we could have the ushers come forward for the offering
Karen, if you'd say a word of prayer, please. Father God, we do praise you, Lord, for this day and each and every day that you give us. We thank you for your many blessings. Lord, I thank you for this church and this community. And Lord, just for the uh, opportunity to come here and worship you. Lord, as we give back to you what you've given to us, I pray that it is used for your kingdom, for your glory, and to uh, lead people to Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. you would please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Romans. This morning we'll be in Romans again. We'll be in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 8. So if you'll find that in your copy of God's Word. If you didn't bring a copy of God's Word with you today, 
Uh, no worry there. You'll find one somewhere around you in the pew. Um, if you'll take that, it's black, it's hardback. And if you'll turn to the back of the Bible and find page 123, you'll be at Romans chapter 8. And again, our text today is verses 5 through 8. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? This is Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. And this is God's Word. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's pray together. Father, we pray today uh, that your word would be front and center, that your word would be clearly preached, clearly understood. And Lord, if that's the case, then I believe I will have done all that I can. But we all know, or we are obviously aware that unless the Holy Spirit of God takes the preached Word of God and illuminates it to the heart and to the mind and creates within us a desire to do the things that are prescribed for us or to notice or to understand or to deeply feel what the text is about, then we will have just heard a man talk. And Father, that is not what you desire on this day or any day that your word is preached. So, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts, open our ears to hear. Pray that, Holy Spirit, you would glorify yourself in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, we are in a sermon series right now that's entitled, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And we're currently in the part of the verse that focuses on the mind. Last week I was in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 and one of the things that I tried to draw out, uh, there was a few technological issues that seemed to trip me up, but I want to go back and just say briefly what Paul was saying there is that the mind, the way the mind works, the way the mind is set And he talked about in that section body and mind and will. And there's a connection between your mind and your will. And then there's an obvious connection connection between your will and what your body does. All that being said, the mind holds a central place in the constitution of human beings. That's why Jesus says to, to love the Lord your God with all your mind. For if we love the Lord our God with all our mind, then we will see through the word that his will is good and acceptable and perfect. And then with our bodies, we will want to carry it out. So the mind is, is crucial. And so this morning, again, we're, we're, we're focusing on loving the Lord 
with our mind. I think you can see from the text that this, this is a good place to be. It does talk about the mind, setting the mind, certain mindsets. Spring is such a wonderful time. I know we're not quite there. We're almost there. But I always enjoy, I'm sure you do too, seeing the world wake up. Um, we went to, to Graham yesterday and we went through all manner of uh, different kinds of country. You know, it was flat and open in some areas and some places. Um, there was a little more tight trees. Uh, we went up some hills. We went down some. We went over some rivers. It was just diverse. Uh, we saw lots of flowers, lots of green grass. Uh, and this week as I was studying, I was reminded, again, studying for the text and then studying God's, uh, his, the, the way that he reveals himself in nature. I was thinking about Genesis chapter 1. And uh, when, when the Lord created the world, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and make sure to not butcher the word of God in any way. I want to say it exactly as it says. In, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, God says, it says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each and here's the, the words I want to focus on, according to its kind. And then Moses says, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. If you drive where in any direction, you're going to see different kinds of trees and different kinds of animals and types of grass you're going to see all different kinds of things that God has created to reproduce and to function according to their kind. But in a spiritual way of understanding things, there are only two kinds. In a spiritual way of understanding humanity, there are only two kinds. And the first kind is this. Paul says... In verse 5, there are those who live according to the flesh. That's the first kind. Now, there is a second kind, uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. Those who walk according to or live according to the Spirit. But the first kind is those who live according to the flesh. And I want to break down this statement because each, uh, each little part of the statement uh, is important to understand. It helps us to get good understanding. I want to focus first on those who live. This in the Greek uh, is a participle. Participles are, can sometimes be difficult to translate into the English. If we were to translate it literally, it would be those being. Those being. That's how that participle in the Greek would translate to the English. Now, I'm sure there are different kinds of translations in the room. Uh, and I know some of you use the New American Standard Version uh, and, and the 95 Version. And it reads, those who are. Where, where it says those who live, instead it says those who are. Now I think that's a good translation and here's why. Um, because it captures the fact that, that every human is a being. We're a living being. There, there is a part of us that we could say it's the essence. It's, it's, it's our nature. It's who we are. 
Now, there's another translation, and you probably have never heard of the Lexham English Bible, but it translates those who live in this way, those who are living. And you might think, what's the difference there? It's this. In the Greek, this participle is in the present tense. It's in what we can understand better as the present continuous tense. It's less about it happening now, more about the fact that it's happening now and it's been ongoing from the past until now and it's going to keep going. So it's not that people are just passively living, but they're actively living. They are living. Some of you, I know, use the King James Version. And it reads this way. Instead of those who live, it says those who are after the flesh. Those who are after the flesh. I like this translation as well. Because it captures that those who are after the flesh are living for a certain purpose. They're after the flesh. That's the the purpose for which they live. They want things that are according to the flesh. Now... This Greek verb here, this participle, is, 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 it's translated twice in most of our text, but it only appears once in the Greek. So the things that I'm telling you now when we talk about those who live according to the Spirit, things that I just am sharing with you now, they're going to they're gonna transfer over to that group as well. There are those who live according to. It's the Greek preposition kata. And in the NASB 95... It, it translates um, according to. And, and I, I like the way that, by the way, there are no really, I, I can point out some really bad translations, but if you've got a translation that you can get at Lifeway or Mardell or someplace like that, you most likely have a good translation. So don't hear me running down any certain translation. But the NASB 95 translated, translates this Greek preposition as according to. Now, That means that they correspond to. Now, let me take that a step further. Those who live according to the flesh, they match their kind. They live according to their kind. You can see um, a person um, that that their mind is set on the things of the flesh, and they, they match that kind of people. There's a newer translation of the New American Standard, and it's the 2020 version, and it reads, according with. Think about it this way, with respect to. So not only can you, could you pick them out of a crowd, you could say, which ones are, live according to the flesh? You could say, okay, that one does, that one does. They match their kind. They, they match their kind. But also you could see them living with respect to their kind. You say it like this. Not only do they match their kind, they march in the same way their kind does. And finally, the King James Version says, those who live after the flesh. In other words, they live for the purpose of the flesh. They are motivated like their kind. They match their kind. They look like them. They march like their kind. They they act in respect to and according with their kind. And they act after their kind, for the purpose of it. They are motivated like their kind. What motivates everyone who lives according to the flesh, it motivates those individuals as well. Now, we need to define what the word flesh means a little bit more. 
We're not talking about what, what covers our bones. We're not talking about the ordinary physical life that both a believer and an unbeliever will have in common. That's not what's being talked about here. In other places, it is. This, this Greek word means that. But here, that Greek word means the human nature that is fallen. It's corrupted. It's weakened and dominated by sin. And this is most important. It's unredeemed. It's lost. Paul says it a different way. Turn back just a few pages in Romans. I hope you still have your Bible open. But in Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about two different types of people. And he uses those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. Turn back to Romans chapter 5 and I want to read verses 12 through 21. Romans chapter 5 verses 12 through 21. I may not read all of it, but I'm going to definitely read part of it. So picking up in chapter 5, verse 12, Paul writes, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that one man is Adam, that's who he's talking about, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many." And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment brought one trespass, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of God. Free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For, for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the Lord, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as death, sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that may have been difficult to understand, but Paul uses the phrase the one man and talks about the one man who sinned. That was Adam. And Adam's sin brought sin into the world, and now everyone who has been born in Adam, which is everyone other than Christ Jesus, they're born a sinner. And at some point, they will understand the difference between right and wrong, and they will begin to sin. And that will prove who they belong to. They're in the flesh. They live according to the flesh. They are in Adam. But there's another group in this same text. There's another man. That man is Christ Jesus. 
Adam's disobedience brought the fall and sin onto everyone and guilt. But Christ, His act of obedience brought life, eternal life for people. And so, (coughs) when I say that there are only two kinds, those who live according to the flesh, Paul would say that those who live according to the flesh are in Adam. Jesus Himself in John chapter 3 verse 6 says this, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And Carrie read for us a few moments ago an indication of what a person would look like that's walking, living according to the flesh. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. You don't have to wonder what they are. Those who walk in Adam demonstrate it through sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And listen to what Paul says. He's describing those who live according to the flesh. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's describing those who live according to the flesh, those who are in Adam. Paul says it a little bit differently in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. Those who live according to the flesh, Paul says, sow to their own flesh, and from their flesh reap corruption. To put it kind of in theological terms, Paul's describing those who live according to the flesh as totally depraved. They are radically corrupt. It's not as if all they do is bad. They're capable of doing some good things. But the good things that they do, they cannot do for the glory of God. And everything they touch is is influenced by the sin that lives within them. They're unregenerate. They've not been born again. They are, as what Paul describes in verse 8, in the flesh. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. Paul's describing a group of Christians, telling them, this is what you used to be like when you lived according to the flesh. Listen to what he says. And you were dead spiritually. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. You walked lockstep with this world. You marched with your kind. You followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul's describing here those who live according to the flesh, people that are alive physically, but dead spiritually. And it's obvious who they are. Their works show it. But then, praise God. You know, I know you're probably thinking, man, get to some good stuff, Pastor. (laughs) Because this is all depressing. There is good stuff in in the text. Because there are two kinds. There are those that live according to the flesh. But there's another kind. Praise God. Because of the mercy of God. Because of His loving kindness. Because of His grace. He sent Christ Jesus, to take on human flesh. 
to live an obedient life, to go to the cross and to take a death, a punishment, a penalty that did not belong to Him. It belonged to us. Those of us who have been saved. Those who will be saved. Christ took that punishment and He died. But He rose again on the third day to prove that those who put their faith in Him, their sins have been completely washed away. They are not people who live according to the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit. You see, if you have been born again, the Spirit of God has taken up residence in you. Paul says, do you not know, speaking to Christians, do you not know that we are the temple of God, that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us? There's two kinds of people, those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the Spirit. Those who in their being, those who in their existence, those who in their active pursuits and purposes live according to the Spirit. Now I want you to notice, there's a capital S for Spirit. Some translations say spiritually minded, and it's a, it's a lowercase But make no doubt about it here. Paul is saying those who live according to the Spirit, by that he means the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about, you know, when we went through earlier sermons in this sermon series, we talked about how we are a body and a soul or spirit. And in saying those who live according to the Spirit doesn't mean that people have gone off somewhere and sat under some guru and have gotten in touch with their spiritual side. That is not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about people in whom the Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence. And as they live, they match their kind. In John chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus says, That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Those who live according to the Spirit, they also march with their kind. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 25, it said in the earlier part of that, that, that passage that the works of the flesh are obvious so too are the works of the Spirit obvious through the fruits that are produced by those works, which are, Paul says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who live according to the Spirit, Paul says, they belong to Christ Jesus, and they're crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires and living by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. And they're motivated by their kind. They want to do what their kind does. And Paul says in Galatians 6, 8, For the one who sows to the flesh, sowing is active. I want to put in some effort and I want to get get some gain. And I'm motivated by my flesh to sow to the flesh. But then he says that the one who sows to the Spirit, who is active in sowing to the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Those who live according to the Spirit are those who are not just alive physically but spiritually dead. No, they're doubly alive. They're alive physically and spiritually. They've been born again. They are regenerate. So there are only two kinds. 
And Paul says there are also only two minds. And the first mind is the mind that is set on the flesh. I'm going to take and look at this just, just for a moment, break it down a little bit, look at some different translations. In, in uh, the English Standard Version that I'm using, translates this text as, for to set the mind on, verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. And that's translated, to set the mind is, is, is translated differently. Some of you use the Christian Standard Bible, and it translates that term, that word, mindset. There's another translation that, that translates it as outlook. If you use the, the New King James or the King James, it, it talks about being minded, to be minded, to be carnally minded, to be spiritually minded. So when it, it speaks here about the mind that is set on, it's talking about our default mindset, our general outlook. Get up, get out of bed. We have an outlook about life. That's our mindset, our outlook. That's how we are minded. And we focus on that mindset. And we intend, we aspire, we strive, we thoughtfully plan to carry out the things that are a part of our outlook, our mindset. And our, you really have to say it this way, in the deepest part of who we are, our default setting at any given time is not to live in accordance with another kind, but to live out what kind we belong to, whether we're of the flesh or of the spirit. We're going to live in conformity with that mode. So there are only two minds. The mind that is set on the flesh, and the way this is translated in the New King James, it's carnally minded, where the flesh governs the mind. The flesh tells the mind what to do. But notice in verse 6 what Paul says, what happens when the flesh governs the mind. Look at verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Actually, what it says in the Greek, there's no verb there. It says carnally minded death. It's as if there is a missing equal sign. And you remember in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, he says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Those who walk according to the flesh set their mind on the flesh and that leads to death. That's the only place it can lead because they are dead in their trespasses and sins. The mind set on the flesh, verse 7. Paul says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Again, there's no verb there. The mind set on the flesh, the carnal mind, equals hostility to God. James chapter 4 verse 4 says this, You adulterous people, do you not know that that friendship with the world is enmity with God? In other words, if you are a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God doesn't stop there. Look at verse 7 again. The mind set on the flesh. Look at the last half of it. Let me just read it again. For the mind that is set on the flesh, first, is hostile to God. Second, for it does not submit to God's law. 
Again, when it says, does not submit to God's law, that, that verb there in the Greek is a present tense verb. It means that it's describing continuous action. In the past it was like this, in the present it will be like this, and if nothing changes, this is how it will continue to, to be. That those who have the mind set on the flesh will not submit to God's law. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. We can't serve two masters. Look how verse 7 ends. The mind that is set on the flesh, not only does it not submit to God's law, look what he ends verse 7 by saying, indeed it cannot. In other words, it is totally unable. And again, it's a, it's a Greek present tense verb. It means that before now, this person was totally unable to submit. Now they are totally unable to submit. And unless something changes, they will continue to not be able to submit to God. Why? Because their mind is set on the flesh. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, the natural person, the person who walks according to the flesh, whose mind is set on the flesh, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are folly to him. They look silly. They look stupid. They look foolish. Why would a person want to walk that way? But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, and he is not able to understand, not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And the mind set on the flesh, look at verse 8. Those who are in the flesh... They walk according to the flesh. Their mind is set upon fleshly things. They cannot please God. Again, present tense continuous verb. Unless something changes, this person will continually not be able to please God. But again, just as in the first where there's only two kinds, there's flesh and the spirit, there's two minds. There's the mind set on the flesh and the mind that's set on the spirit. And in verse 6, Paul says... To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. There's that equal sign again. Mind on the spirit, there's no verb. Just just think of it as an equal sign. When your mind is set on the spirit, that equals for you life and peace. There's only two kinds and there's only two minds. And this is where things come together. The mind matches the kind. Look what Paul says in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, that's who they are. It's their being. They get up in the morning wanting to live according to the flesh. And so they set their mind on the things of the flesh. In other words, who they are, their kind, those who live according to the flesh... Their mind matches their kind. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. And the same is true for those who live according to the Spirit. They are of a kind and their mind matches who they are, their kind. They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Listen to this. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. The mindset of your kind determines how your mind is set. I'll say it again. The mindset of your kind determines how your mind is set. So if you are of the kind who live according to the flesh, hear this, 
you can't just all of a sudden one day say, I'm going to start thinking about the things of the Spirit. No. Your mind will match your kind because your mindset determines how your mind, how you set your mind. Think of it this way. You wouldn't expect a deer to act like a coyote, would you? I mean, wouldn't that be the silliest thing for a deer to be out of its mind? It's of a certain kind. It's a deer, but that its mind would say, no, I'm a coyote. That would be the oddest thing. Now, see, the one living according to the mindset of the flesh, they set their mind on the things of the flesh because their mind matches their kind. And the same is true if you live according to the mindset of the Spirit and you set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And it's an active thing. You're not being drugged. Your arm is not being twisted behind your back. No, you're actively willing. You're wanting the things of the flesh. You're planning in order to have that. And you can't expect a person with a carnal mind, a carnal mindset, to have both the possibility and the ability to love the Lord with all of their mind. It's just not going to happen. So listen to this. If one day you say, I, I'm done with all the, the, the bad things I did in the past. Those were terrible decisions. From now on, I'm just going to start making good decisions. You can do that. But you haven't changed your mindset You'll continue to live for you, but you'll just shroud it in morality. You can't just set your mind off of the things of the flesh and onto the things of the Spirit. First of all, that's impossible. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. No, if your mind, if you're... if. If you are of the flesh, you're going to be continually unable to submit to God's law. You just can't change your mind and say, I'm going to start acting like a Christian now. No, you have to be reborn. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. People may wash this old nature. They may clothe it. They may decorate it. They may educate it. But no evolution can produce grace out of nature. The child of nature may be finely dressed, but he is a dead child, however gaudily he is attired. There is a vital, eternal difference between the old nature and the new. We must understand that. What what Spurgeon is getting at here is that you can hide only for so long. You either live according to the flesh or you live according to the flesh. To the spirit. You either have a mindset on the flesh or you have a mindset on the spirit. It's not both. And you cannot hide either your kind or your mind. Eventually everything's going to be revealed. If not in this life, then surely it will be in the next. And I want you to listen to this again. There won't be a single person in hell who lives according to the spirit who has set their mind on the things of the spirit. And the reason that is true is because they've not been reborn. And because their kind will not and cannot submit to God's law. Conversely, there will be no one in heaven who lives according to the flesh who set their mind on the things of the flesh. It's not going to be that way. Your mind is going to match your kind. And one day, all will see of what kind 
you are. If you live according to the flesh or if you live according to the spirit. Now, that puts things in very stark terms. And it should. Because we should want to know, which kind am I? And you might think, okay, Lord, I mean, Pastor, let me tell you, I know there are days when I feel like I know what my kind is. Some days I, I, I study the scripture, I, I, I walk in faithfulness, I pray, but then there are some days I feel like I completely belong to another kind. Maybe that, that resonates with you. But you know, one thing that I want you to keep in mind is in Philippians 1.5, Paul says, He that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So there may be days that you don't walk according to your kind. You, you march in step with the world. You may have times when you're like Peter. Remember Peter when he was in Matthew chapter 16? Peter and the, and the disciples and Jesus were at Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, Who do the, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they gave all kinds of answers. But Peter got the right one. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus praised him. He said, you didn't get this from any man. The Spirit of God gave this to you. And then Jesus turned to the disciples and he began to tell them about how he was going to be beaten and crucified, handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and that, that the future was not looking good. And guess what Peter did? He said, no, Lord, that's, that's no, we're not going there. And Jesus says, listen to what he said. He turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, was that permanent? No, that was just a short-term thing for Peter. Later on, he said, Jesus, I'll go with you wherever you go. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the, the rooster crows. But that wasn't always true for Peter because later he became a leading apostle in the church and he himself understood that you have to have the right way of thinking. See, while Jesus was on the earth before his crucifixion, Peter didn't have the right mindset. Not quite yet. But after he began to understand what it was that Christ did on the cross and Peter began to tell others, you got to think in the right way. He says, therefore, this is 1 Peter 4, 1, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And later, Peter was crucified upside down. He loved the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. So some of us may be like Peter. We have those days where, Lord, I'll do anything for you. We stick our foot in our mouth. But he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete us. And he brings us back around to where our mind is set right and we're willing to walk for Christ. Some of us may be like a fellow worker that Paul had by the name of Demas. Demas was a close friend of Paul and went with him for a long time. But then as the sufferings of ministry began to ramp up, Paul records in 2 Timothy 4.10, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. See, eventually, Demas revealed his kind. 
his mind set on the things of the flesh, just couldn't help it. And he cut and ran. He demonstrated who he was. Now, I don't know who you are today, who you most resemble, but I will say this. If you are more like Demas, where being a part of a Christian community or or something along those lines, it sounds good, but if it gets tough, I'm running. Or I don't know that I really want to go that far because, you know, while I'm on this earth, I want to live. I want to have fun, you know. I think that's what got to Demas. It's just too hard. The world was too much. If that's like you, repent. Repent. In faith, call on the name of Christ and be saved. Don't be any longer a person who lives according to the flesh. Put your faith in Christ. You'll be born again and you'll begin to live according to the Spirit. But if you're like Peter, and and maybe you even had some days here in the past week or so where you have said, Lord, whatever you want, I'll give it. And then you turn around and you just stumble and hit your face. Get back up and realize the battle's not over. It's so important how we set our minds. I'm going to end with the words of Charles Simeon. I end with these words for all of us who may find ourselves like Peter. We know we've been born again. We struggle against the flesh. Listen to what Simeon says. The care of the soul will be... He's talking about the person who's got the mindset of the spirit. The care of the soul will be in his estimation the one thing needful. He will devote much of his time to reading the scriptures and to prayer. The great work of repentance will now occupy his mind and the Lord Jesus Christ will be endeared to him as the Savior of the world. There will be between him and the carnal man the same difference has existed between the sick and the well in the days of our Lord. The well looked at Jesus with mere curiosity. The sick flocked around him with a determination to obtain, if possible, the healing of their diseases. The spiritual man, the man whose mind is set on the spirit, is in pursuit of heaven, has begun on earth and perfected in glory. And like a man in a race or in a conflict, he engages with all his might. If by any means he may obtain the prize of his high calling. Even in his earthly engagements, he bears in mind his great object and endeavors to make even temporal pursuits serve the attainment of his higher goal. He considers his responsibility to God and to God alone. And he acts in everything with a reference to God. How is your mind set? Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Father, we thank you for our Savior Jesus Christ. Because of Him, those of us that have put our faith in Him, we no longer live according to the flesh. No, we've we've cast that aside. We've turned from it and run headlong toward Jesus. Lord, help us to day by day put to death our flesh. Day by day. 
to take up the scriptures, to pray, to seek to have our mind conformed to the mind of Christ. Lord, for any here today, that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if they were to die today, they would spend eternity in hell. For their life has been, they have walked according to their kind. They are in Adam. They're all about the flesh. They're all about this life. They're all about their best life now. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon their heart that to continue this path is a decision with eternal ramifications. But that you have not left them without a way to be saved. They would turn from their sin today, put their faith and trust in Jesus today, and that they be made new and begin to walk in the Spirit. Lord, show them that. Lord, no matter how poorly I may have delivered your word this morning, help them to understand that. For the sake of your Son who willingly died, in His name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing for a few moments. Wherever He leads, I'll go. If there's a decision you need to make during this time, I encourage you to do so as we sing together. Amen. Would you be seated for just a moment? I want to give you a few updates on our prayer list. Um, This morning, um, as we walked in, Ken said that his sister Doris is doing much better, eating well. Um, Things seem to be moving in the right direction. So I know that's a load off of Ken's shoulders, and it's a praise to God for him doing that in her life. Also got a good report on Karen Eldridge that uh, her tumors are shrinking and did you say that they're scaling back the chemo now? Okay, so very good to hear that about her. We also got some good news this week. Pam, you want to share about your mom? And, and the doctor said? Prayer. Yeah, they don't know how it happened other than prayer. And so we praise God uh, for these, uh, this good news. Uh, of course, there's, there's other folks uh, we need to continue to pray for. Uh, Denise. And I guess Billy are down with uh, Denise's uh, brother, Porter, and Rita Burke, and, and they're at MD Anderson, are beginning to undergo some, some um, cancer treatment there. So she'll pray for them. I continue to lift up our veterans. Robert Holly is on our list. Of course, he's not a veteran, veteran. He's actively serving. So our veterans and those who are currently serving. Uh, so pray for Robert Holly as he's over in Iraq right now. Uh, today is Speedy and Doris's anniversary, if you didn't know that. So continue to pray for Speedy and Doris, not because it's their anniversary, but they're both on our prayer list. 
but just continue to pray for them. Um, Mark Wise, um, I don't know how many of you know Wise Meat Market there in San Saba. He's really uh, involved with uh, uh, stock shows and such. He had a heart attack while he was down in Houston, uh, had, had surgery, and <clears throat> is recovering. So pray for Mark and his family. Uh, are there any other updates you might want to pass along? All right. But she's going to have surgery before too much longer. Yes, she does have to do surgery, and that's why you're here this month. Okay. Amen. Amen. Anything else? Any updates or anything that you'd like prayer for? All right. Well, then let's stand. We'll say a, a brief word of prayer. We'll say the Great Commission and be dismissed. Uh, Father God, again, uh, we thank you for being a good God um, who, to whom we can come in prayer, who we can uh, petition on behalf of others. Lord, we thank you so much. Uh, for proving once again, as you always do, that you are God, that you are, uh, you can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. There's nothing that is impossible with you. So we thank you for the good news that we have heard. And also, Lord, we pray for those who continue the fight, who continue the struggle. We lift them up to you, God, and we ask again, as we always do, that you be to them what they need in their time of need, that they had also recognize that it's you. Lord, help them to see that it's you who's working in their lives. And Lord, for any that don't know you as Savior and Lord, use this to bring them to faith. And Lord, for those that, that do love you, that are going through these trials, we pray uh, that they would sense your, your nearness, your presence, your tenderness, your mercy, uh, that you are strengthening them for what lies ahead. Father, we praise you for who you are and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them...